Welcome to Hermes AM, where we explore ideas, share experiences, and feed curiosity. We seek to learn and grow. Join us in challenging perspective and ideas. Welcome to this episode of Hermes AM. Uh, it's today you're going to be hosted by myself, DJ Crum, and New. Uh, hi, Nanu. Nooligan, as you know. New and I are always diving into some books, and we're going to start a new series called Hermes Book Review. So we're going to check out the work of author Ryan Holiday. He has a four-part book series that we're mainly going to be taking a look at. He has other works New will touch on in a moment. But yeah, uh, ultimately we dive into those works, their impact on us, and some encouragement for you all. Enjoy. I want to say I'm like an expert in Ryan Holiday, but I, I've been a big fan of him ever since I kind of came across his first book, which I think is Obstacles the Way. And then it, it's kind of like it's, it's interesting because what, like from what I can uh, gather, he's kind of like a young philosopher in a way, and that's what a lot of people see him as. Um, at a very young age, he kind of um, became like enthralled with uh, Marcus Aurelius' meditations, um, like I think in the, his teens, late teens. And then that, that, that going forward, he ended up um, just being kind of going down that road of learning about philosophy and stuff like that. So that everything is kind of translated over into uh, his books. Before he started like writing books like the 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 kind of, I would say the kind of like more like modern philosophy books, right? Yeah. Yeah. So before he got into those books, he did a bunch of, um, he ended up, he was like a marketing guy. So he ended up doing a lot of more marketing. He worked for uh, American Apparel um, be um, before and during, and then obviously the aftermath of it kind of uh, falling apart. So he was kind of there during that whole thing. Um, as as I, and there's a like a number of things he's mentioned in his books and then interviews about um, somewhat like being kind of like this whiz kid in uh, L.A. as far as for marketing, for marketing purposes and all these other things that kind of helped his career. I think he even mentioned once about being his story, his, his life story being optioned for like a, a like a movie. Um, I was just like, so like just the idea of this kid, this marketing whiz kid. And then, um, so, and then, uh, so it's kind of like, but obviously that never really happened and he just ended up being a writer. But, um, before that, like going forward and I'm kind of jumping all over the place cause I'm trying to remember it all at once, but, uh, he ended up being, he, <laughs> after his, uh, after, you know, going down that rabbit hole of learning about Marcus Aurelius and all this other stuff, he actually came across, uh, Robert Greene's books, which are um, the was the forty eight laws of power, yeah. forty eight laws of power, and then he also did the seduction book, um, you know, uh, human human the human laws, uh, which are all fantastic books. I think me and uh, Spence has mentioned them on, on multiple occasions. But uh, Ryan was actually his research assistant um, prior to all this stuff happening at a very young age as well, and where he kind of uh, discovered uh, um, how to write. Um, also how to do research and stuff like that for somebody like Robert Greene, which is um, really impressive. And from both of the interviews with them, I've seen that they said that Ryan kind of just, him and like Robert always had a hard time finding research assistance. And for some reason with him and Ryan, it kind of just clicked. Ryan was very like, you know, very, like it was very good and easy for him to kind of like 
get what he needed. Um, he was just very good at what he did and then ended up working out. <laughs> Other kind of philosophers, I guess, of the modern age would be Robert Greene, who um, just kind of like fell into this as well. Um, you know, wanted to be a writer, was a journalist for a long time, ended up just writing books about, um, you know, kind of the same similar things like human behavior, um, the behavior um, based on certain scenarios and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then Ryan kind of doing something similar, but a, a kind of basing on more of a philosophy basis versus Robert just kind of laying out the, um, the ground rules, right? As from, from what I can gather by yeah. reading all those books. Um, both very good, both very um, popular. And, and, I, and from, I, I don't want to be, I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure that Ryan's mentioned multiple times that his son, as um, his godfather, is uh, Robert Greene. So like there's like they've always had a long standing relationship, very, very well connected and stuff like that. Um, jumping forward, we're looking at now we're looking at all the different books that he's kind of put together. Um, I read every book, I think, give it a good. There's one book I haven't read by him, which is a conspiracy theory book, I think, based on marketing narrative. So I haven't read that one. I've read his marketing books. I read all his uh, philosophy books. Um uh you know and i and some of his stoicism stuff and then um his kids book of marcus aurelius too i read that so i've read most of the stuff and i read all of robert green stuff so i kind of have a good basis of uh the stuff and another cool fact is he's actually from the sacramento area um uh the granite bay <laughs> the granite bay area which if you're from sacramento or know of sacramento it's where the rich people live <laughs> So it's like that. It's up in the hills, the hills of Sacramento. But um, as far as I, uh, I heard an interview, he is from this area, uh, went to high school here and um, the Sacramento area and then kind of moved out to go to L.A. And now, as far as I know, he has a small bookstore um, that he owns and operates in Texas. Mm. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, it looks like I'm kind of like looking, checking him out online. Uh, his wife is like uh, operates out of Austin. So it looks like they might be there. Um, I think they're in the area around Austin because I think that's kind of like they have like a farm somewhere outside, right? Which is like um, is from what I've gathered from like, you know, listening to his podcast and other interviews and um, stuff like that when I'm like and then also like um, certain like little stories he puts in all his books and stuff like that. And then he and then right now he like he obviously he's promotes his new books coming out. He runs a website called Daily Stoic, which generalizes the idea of um, stoicism into your daily life. And then he's been running that as far as also running, a, a, obviously, a marketing firm for other police um, people. And I believe I'm not really sure, but I was listening. to. Are you familiar with uh, Spence, the, the Netflix series about the um, Facebook and stuff or the digital one? Yeah, yeah. So they've been showing that in schools lately to try to get kids to understand, you know, the idea of social media and what it's really doing. Um, so the uh, one of the guys in there, he has his podcast, which I listened to. I forgot what it was called. I think it's called. Um, uh, I'll, I'll look up. But um, anyways, that one of his the guys that was in that on that series. Um, he the, he has his own podcast, and I'll, I'll come up with a name in a few minutes. Um, but I think Ryan actually Ryan's media firm or thing also produces that show or helps with marketing because I think there was credit at the end of it. I could be wrong, but it did say something about Ryan and somebody else holiday at the end. So I think it's basically him kind of um, doing the marketing for it. Um, 
So I, I'm not sure, but I think that I that's what I heard at the end of because I do listen to that podcast on occasion. So, um, but that's kind of a general, I think, history and narrative of of what I know or what I've picked up on, uh, not like doing <laughs> a large amount of research on it, but just based on what I've what I've heard and listened to as I've uh, listened to all their books and all their interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because yeah, he's only 34 years old. And in mean, <laughs> Courage's Calling, he kind of alludes to himself as Seneca, right? Mm. How Nero had, he, I mean, like Nero had Seneca as his advisor. And so he looked at himself, especially kind of more at the tail end of uh, Courage's Calling, which we could hit on um, at some point. But uh, he, he, he is, I mean, as a marketing person that specializes in marketing, it, it really the way it's interesting because as we're, as you're talking, it just makes me. Any person at any time can really establish themselves and uh, lift themselves up with ability. I mean, he he comes through and he writes some like the 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 sources and the stories he tells inside of his book is what's most powerful to me, right? Um, and so having those uh, narratives that tie in with this theme that he's trying to get. Uh, is critical, but he, it's somebody who, um, yeah, the dude's doing it right. He's, he's, he's kind of established himself as this, uh, a high level philosopher. There's other people that he is, um, that are kind of probably around the same age, um, like mid mid thirties or so who, uh, Tim Ferriss, other people who are, are establishing kind of this like modern way of living ultimately. Um, and so interesting that that's just those it's kind of interesting to look at that all um let's jump in i mean like do you want to should we go by yeah let me just i'll just go kind of basically really quickly through his books um so i'm going to go through them by it looks like by year i'm going to pull up um audible right now or amazon and kind of give you guys a kind of general history um so like uh, like i said the first of his core philosophy books i would say was also obstacle of the way it came out in 2014 um then his next one after that was uh i believe ego is the enemy 2016 uh stillness is the key 2019 and then lastly which uh spencer just finished up was courage is calling which is spencer's kind of a a, a fan of the idea um he brought up the ideas of kind of talk about this too which is really because i i love ryan's books um he was a, I was I read uh, probably obstacles away and uh ego is the enemy probably twice over um, so, uh, Courage of Calling was his last book, which came out this year and, uh, uh, 2000 or last year, 2021. Um, and then like before that, he has a, a number of, uh, marketing books who, which I've read, um, Trust Me, I'm Lying, which is a confession, confessions of a media, uh, manipulator. So it's kind of the idea of how you manipulate the media, um, based on, um, you know, the self kind of that, well, not, not even just, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what I, I mean. Like he, you're able to even manipulate your own who you are in like in society. Yeah, right? yeah, based on that's your like, own narratives, and I think oh. that's what he's. I think that's kind of what his thing was. Is like as as uh, it's almost like Great Gatsby. Yeah, yeah. Modern day. Great <laughs> that was kind of like, uh, and then that that was an earlier book too. So that was actually before his philosophy books. Yeah. Also, conspiracy, which I have to admit I've never read, um, and it's basically probably about 
how the media exploits um, different kind of uh, different kind of like um, entrepreneurs and, and, and superstars. I think something like around Hulk, Hulk Hogan's life is in that and a few other stuff and some other websites using stuff. Um, and then uh, Growth Hacker, a marketing book he also wrote, which is uh, wrote, which I've read as well. It's about kind of um, understanding your marketing and kind of propelling it forward by understanding advertising. Um, so that was another book he did. Uh, Perennial Seller is one of his older books as well, which is talking about selling things and the idea of something that lasts. Like perennial means something that lasts for. It's like everybody has it. They don't know. It's like, like yeah, I think that a good ref idea of perennial selling. Everybody owns Monopoly. How many times do people play it within their like within the household and stuff like that? But everybody owns it. The yeah. idea is Monopoly is owned by almost every household, maybe multiple copies of it. But the idea is that like, so it's perennial. It means it's always going to sell. It's always there. And it's not always the most popular, but everybody knows what it is. It's this idea of like, it's always going to be. So like, you can look at like maybe yeah. the um, Air Force Ones being perennial now, because like you look at Air Force Ones, the, the design never changes. They change the color schemes. It perennially sells for multiply more money. Jordan, same thing. Um, you're looking at certain things that are like um, uh, Shawshank Redemption. He talks about that in Perennial Seller as well. Like it, when it was kind of like not commercially a hit and not like not like always the the best book. Um, it wasn't considered like the best short story by Stephen King either. But it was basically something like in the movie, it didn't really do well. But after the fact. It's become one of the most obsessed movies and cult following movies. Like when you're going across the channels, it's also known that if you come across uh, Shawshank Redemption, majority of the time you'll just sit there and watch it. And that's something of similar understanding a perennial um, selling thing, which is always going to be uh, popular, always going to be something people look for and then something they stop for, even if they know they weren't looking for it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what he hits on in Perennial Seller. So as far as all of his books goes, um, the probably only one I haven't read yet is Conspiracy. And um, after, uh, I mean, prior to um, Courage is a Calling, he did put out, I believe, I want to say, yeah, prior to um, uh, Courage, uh, he put out the... Um, the boy who would become king. It's a. It's actually a, a ch children's book about the uh, growing up um, Marcus Aurelius as a child. Um, so it's kind of like a children's book, kind of giving you the um, idea of Marcus Aurelius as he was growing up. Which is there's probably no one in this world that read is more obsessed and respects Marcus Aurelius than Ryan Holiday, right? So yeah, I mean, um, those those post like those Stoics of of old, he really. Grasps every ounce of stoicism, and almost is like that's what he researches and probably more than anything. Is, yeah, I think that was his number one. That that was probably his his first introduction into um, you know, any kind of like any this path in his life that he took probably was largely kind of dedicated to him um, hearing somebody talk about Marcus Aurelius. I forgot who he said it was, but them handing over, handing him that book when he was like 16, 15, 16, like early, late teens is what kind of put him on this trajectory of being kind of obsessed with all that, um, all that history and all those, um, all those other things. And, and then uh, lastly, before we get into him, he does have a, um, he does do a, like a monthly book thing. Uh, where he kind of like he kind of reads a lot 
the idea is that he reads probably more than most people do. And he, um, and he's more of a, uh, I don't know what the, what the term is Spence, but that actually reads, <laughs> reads the books. Cause like yeah. for me, I'm an auditory learner. So therefore like, I can't really read books. There's some form of dyslexia I have. So therefore I have to, li- I have to uh, listen to books in order to retain the information. He's the opposite where he just, he's able to kind of engross himself in the book and read it. Uh, and as far as I understand, he reads so many books a month like and then he usually has a reading list that he shares with people online who uh, subscribe to it for all the books that he's read or reread or um, offers up to um, people to kind of learn about and read about and I've got a lot of my books from him um, and then uh, you know and then those have also sent me into other books and I go down rabbit weird rabbit holes <laughs> on books but um, but yeah so he was kind of one of the first people that recommended a lot of different books that I've checked out as well so in the beginning of Courage is Calling, he kind of hits on, <clears throat> he hits on the four virtues. And, and, and ultimately, there's a spot where he's like, in the ancient world, virtue was comprised of four key components, which ultimately he has these four books. And it's almost like um, of stillness is the key, ego uh, is the enemy, obstacle is the way, courage is calling. So um, courage, temperance, justice, win- wisdom. The touchstones of goodness, the philosopher, King uh, Marcus Aurelius called them. To millions, they're known as the cardinal virtues, four near universal ideals adopted by Christianity and most of the Western philosophies, but equally valued in Buddhism, Hinduism, and just about every other philosophy you can imagine. They're called cardinal. C.S. Lewis pointed out, not because they come down from the church authorities, but because they're original from the latin cardo or hinge it's pivotal stuff it's the stuff that the door uh to the good life hangs on they're also our topic for this book and the series four books four virtues one aim to help you choose uh and then he kind of goes into kind of the each book it's like courage bravery fortitude honor sacrifice then he hits up temperance self-control moderation composure balance justice fairness, service, fellowship, goodness, kindness. And then, he, and then the last book kind of hits on wisdom, knowledge, education, truth, self-reflection, peace. Uh, and, and ultimately knew like that for, for people who are digging and trying to understand themselves better, like I think that these books, um, I think courage, it, it, they speak to you at different moments, right? Like I think you were saying like, ah, this one doesn't hit it as well. If you came back to it in a moment where you are really battling through some things, yeah, uh, and, and you're like, man, wow, like, um, <clears throat> we we're kind of doing some introductions and not to to reintroductions of ourselves. And since we started this podcast, um, I'm, I mean, we'll we'll get into that in another episode. But my life is is just um, increased in the amount of the amount being pushed through the same like the same cord right the same uh the same the same tubing as prior uh and so what i've had to do really is um remodel and readjust how my brain is processing a lot of different things and uh in 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 doing coaching work and and that i think that that's one of the first person either you or even my coach kind of um worked with me on finding some of these books and really diving into them and yeah i'm an auditory learner as well and it allows me to, when I hear something, I can pause it, go back, really chew on it, 
stop all together and then and then just be able to really just distill in my head and reflect in my head what what I just heard. And Ryan has a lot of those moments um, that I think are, are yeah, it's pivotal stuff. Um, being courageous uh, could just mean getting out of bed in the morning. Right. And, and it, it could mean that you're you're suffering from depression and hard things so much that that just getting outside and, and showing up to work was just as courageous as um, somebody, um, somebody who is able to have a higher capacity potentially, but it, it's, it's, it's an equal capacity, right? Is, is the, the faucet is all the way on at that point, right? Um, the, the capacity on the back end is, is what changes and, and has the capacity to grow. But I mean, because I mean, my, my thought was Malala, right? Um, who was shot by the Taliban for attending school, right? But somebody would say, well, that's, that, you can't compare that to somebody who just shows up to, to on their hardest day to, to work or whatever. And, and to me, it's like, well, why not? Because that person is pushing themselves in, in, in a place where who knows what trauma they have uh, once they left their house, once they, once they left the day before, uh, and, and, and how do you pause and, and go through these moments? And I think that that's where um, these are really important. I was going through a, a, a divorce ultimately as I'm processing stillness is the key. And to just be able to pause, reflect. Um, I think one of the most poignant stories in Stillness is the Key is when he's talking about John F. Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And how this is somebody who was a hothead, who his dad basically trained him to get, get yours, right? And to, uh, if somebody hits you, hit them back harder. Those are things that, that John F. Kennedy learned in his household. He had to show temperance. He had to show patience and composure in, in, a, uh, in a moment where uh, it, was, it was on. And, and in, that, in that moment, he held, he, he was patient, he was calm, he didn't pull the trigger, and lives were saved because of it. And I think that if we're able to take some of these things, uh, these, these ideals, these stories, these, these examples of virtue, it allows us to uh, a platform to exponentially improve our own ways of being and our own frameworks of thinking uh, and, and, and go beyond. Um, I mean, I just, the, the amount of, uh, it's interesting, I don't know, Encanto is a new movie out, right? And I'm tying this into Disney, shout out to Tao. Um, <laughs> and there's a, there's a moment in there where the sister, Louisa, is like, She's she can lift anything. Right. And but the amount of stress that she has in her life is like basically like the pressure. Right. Yeah, All the exactly. pressure. She, she has that song about the pressure. And it's like, oh, hey, Louisa, will you do this? Louisa, will you do that? And, and she's just like a, a yes. She just says yes to everything. And 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 it's it uh, that's because if she way. does and then she's weak. And then she has to portray strength all the time. Exactly. And yeah. so it's, the, it's this dichotomy that that's the way that a lot of people live in, 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 our, in our world. Is, is, Especially uh, like mothers, too. Like mothers that technically are portrayed as weak, but they actually do way more than, um, you know, most of us do. Like in the perception of like a, like a, a mom that just stays at home is like not doing anything. And I'm also guilty of like, you know... Um, seeing that on occasion and, and you don't realize the work that they actually have to do and put up with and do on a daily basis. And there's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of uh, hardship. And sometimes we just forget because we don't, um, 
because we are, I, I think, a, a potential, potentially you look at like the idea of bringing money in or anything like that, and they don't. So therefore, you diminish the work that they do, you know. Um, and what I do like about what you said, Spence, because I wasn't thinking about, oh, I wasn't thinking about it on that perspective, was that maybe I did think this book was the weakest of the three only because maybe I didn't really need it. Right. Like at the, then during this moment, the hearing these things was just redundant to me or didn't ma matter because I didn't because I wasn't um, resonating with needing courage at the moment. So therefore, it just kind of just went. I just became like, I'm just I don't need to hear all this. Right. And then, then you're probably right. Like and there's probably if I go back when in, in a moment when I do need it, it'll probably be able to say everything and that I needed to hear during the moment. And that's like a really powerful idea that I kind of just um, didn't think about until you mentioned it. Um, and then also, you know, another thing, I, when you were talking about this as well, and this idea of strength and getting out of bed and person like, 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 and we go back to the person, the girl in the Olympics that quit while she was there because of the pressure. I like from my perspective, right? I was probably wrong to say that she should have just like, because from, from my perspective, I would look at it from this. I think you, that per, that girl already knew she wasn't like able to do this before she left on the plane there. And I, and there's all these other girls that are in line for these spots and um, she could have handed it off knowing. And like, you know, then she goes there and doesn't compete really kind of diminishing a, a, like a spot for somebody that really was like, had the heart. She do does it. on the tail. She does on the tail end, but right. She, yeah. Yeah. Like, initially, that's like, that was my initial thoughts of it. Like, like, because everybody's giving her a lot of, um, you know, giving her a lot of having strength to do that, which I understand. It's difficult. I understand it's hard. But I'm also looking at the, the girls that the hearts were actually in it before well, they even left. Right. I would say, well, I pause there, Neil, because yeah. it's like Simone, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Simone Biles heart wasn't there. Yeah. I would say that she like I mean I don't I don't know what the twisties are. Right. It's right. the idea that like your equal your equilibrium is off and you're not able to compete at that level. But say that, like, I mean, by the tail end, her, her, she's able to get her equilibrium back, and then she's able to compete. She's the best in the world, but but bar, bar right, none, right. regardless. Right. And 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 so um, maybe she competes in an additional Olympics because she she was able to pause in this one. Yeah, right? but that's like, what I was like saying is that I was wrong for thinking that because oh, yeah. like, and that's the, that that was kind of what like I thought initially was to think that. She should if like you know that you weren't you weren't really fit for this. The thing is, you should have handed it off. Is my initial thought. So I didn't really have as much um, respect well, as everybody else did. But now even, I'm rethinking it. Now I'm yeah. Of what you and, said, and even three thousand feet back from yeah. that is the fact that you have this team of athletes that through, through from 1996 to now, pretty much, who have been compromised by uh, sexual assault. Right. Uh, by Larry Nasser. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Right? No, I mean, like the, in, 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 in a culture that allows it. Right. Um, with the Corollis and stuff like that. I mean, the, 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 this has this is another uh, a whole nother like episode. Right. But yeah. But that. But yeah, yeah there's all this pressure but, like but that you don't think about like, when you look at courage. It, it's like I mean, I don't it, it takes courage to get show up when you know you're going to be late and you have a teacher that's always on your ass about being late. Right. Like. Um, it's, it, it takes courage to like show up to a work where, where you're not valued and, and earned, right? Like where you, you don't feel like this is your spot. It takes courage to leave that job, right? The, it takes courage to, to go out and do things on your own. Um, I think 
that I mean, that's one of the things that he points out in this book is it, it is the hardest virtue. Yeah. And then that's why I'm like, because I really so think like, and that's kind of just like brings back that thing. Cause like, I, I, I was mistaken for seeing that as like, uh, as a fault instead of just seeing it as the opposite thing, you know, kind of thing. And then that, that going forward, like we looking at these things and I guess all these books will actually be there when you need them the most. And like, like you're like, what we're saying is all these th- different things will go through and you read these books over and over you'll be able to find those things um the one thing i did love about courage obviously me being a kind of a big greek nut is he did start the um start the uh the series out talking about hercules uh, heracles oh so yeah. like and that was really into the idea of him using a parable in order to introduce the idea of courage um uh with uh with and that was really that, that like sold me on the the beginning of the book it was like like re, like the using heracles as the kind of the the initial uh, introduction um if uh you, you want to read it real quick Spence, because it's really cool yeah it was long ago the funny thing is i actually was kind of uh ransom was having a hard time at at work and i i or at school and i i wanted to kind of have him understand you know like this this virtue of courage right like this virtue of doing the hard thing um it, it was long ago now that her heracles came to the crossroads at a quiet intersection in the hills of greece in the shade of knobby pine trees the great hero of Greek myth first met his de- destiny. Where exactly it was or when, no one knows. We hear of this moment in the stories of Socrates. We, c- we can see it captured in the most beautiful art of the Renaissance. We can feel his budding energy, his strapping muscles, and his anguish in the classic Bach cantata. If John Adams had his way in, 19, or in 1776, Hercules at the crossroads would be, have been immortalized on the official seal of the newly founded United States. Because there, before the man's undying fame, before the 12 labors, before he changed the world, Hercules faced the crisis, one of life-changing and real as any uh, of us have ever faced. Where was he headed? Where was he trying to go? That's the point of the story. Alone, unknown, unsure, Hercules, like so many, did not know where the road diverged laid a beautiful goddess who offered him every temptation he could imagine adorned in finery she promised him a life of ease she swore he'd never taste want or unhappiness or fear or pain follow her she said and his every desire would be fulfilled on the other path stood a sterner goddess in a pure white robe she made a quieter call she promised no reward except that those that came as a result of hard work. It would be a long journey, she said. There would be sacrifice, there would be scary moments, but it would be a journey fit for a god. It would make him the person his ancestors meant him to be. Was this real? Did it happen? If it's only a legend, does it matter? Yes, because this is a story about us, about our dilemma, about our own crossroads. For Hercules, the choice was between vice and virtue, the easy way and the hard way, the well-trod path and the road less traveled. We all face this choice, hesitate, hesitating only for a second. Hercules chose the one that made the difference. He chose virtue. Virtue can, be, can seem old-fashioned, yet virtue, artite, translates from something very simple and very timeless. Excellence, moral, physical, mental. And then that's where actually that pivot to looking at 
um, the four key components that I read earlier, right? So, I, yeah, I, I, I just think for an author to bring these uh, up in, in our world now is, is valuable. So, I, I, I mean, um, it, it's definitely, it's, a, it's a, a place where somebody's trying to, Ryan Holiday is trying to create his own stamp on the world. I think at the tail end of the book, he, it, it, there's a lot of authenticity and transparency with his own striving for growth and development. And, and I think that that's what people need, right? Like, it, even if it's just a centimeter of growth, it, it doesn't have, like, there's some people who are able to unlock some things um, or go backwards, and then it, it allows things to kind of free up, right? And, and It's like a spark, right? We're just yeah. looking, like, like you do, sometimes those kind of things give you a spark to understand, like, like uh, Heracles chooses, um, you know, hard work and the possibility of uh, immortality through hard work and everything he's earned versus just being handed um, comfortability. Right. And I think that's kind of like, and then, so that that's the idea in everyday life that we choose. Do we choose just to be stagnant or we choose to go and go out and try to work hard to to get what we earn. Right. And I always like, like, even for me, um, you know, one of my biggest monikers is like, is not having any luck. And it doesn't mean I'm unlucky. I'm very lucky. But the point that it's not it's not necessarily luck, though, I would say it's mostly like what what I, I don't rely on luck. I try to work really hard to get my own luck or to get my or get what I'm earned because I worked really hard to get it. I don't rely on luck. I rely on hard work and uh, perseverance and, and going out and getting what I'm worth because I, I believe that I, I am worth it. And then I think that's the idea is to not wait and say, oh, I'm going to buy a lot of ticket and wait till they, like God blesses me with everything I deserve. No, I go out and work really hard to earn everything that I think I deserve. And I think that's kind of like what that parable is saying uh, is, is that if you want to have a good life, you want to have a life worth living it's going to be hard, but in the end, it'll be worth it. Right. And I think that's kind of like, where are we going down that thing? And then, uh, and using that as the idea of like having courage and having the, the perseverance to actually face everything down, and especially when it goes down to those books beforehand that are prerequisites to understanding this last book. Right. Yeah. All those other books are kind of like these we- um, steps, like obstacles away is the understanding that, yeah, never any road is ever going to be, is going to be easy. It's your idea. It's your, it's your, it's you looking at it, seeing these hard things that fall in your way and then trying and then using that as a way of learning and getting around it to see how you come out a different person and with, by using every means from your physical, physical, physicality to mental, your mental capacity, to your creativity, to any way to getting past these things and going forward. And now who are you because you've learned that, right? And then going forward after that, you're looking at like ego is the enemy to like stillness is the key to courage, right? So you're looking at all these books as ways of um, dealing with these different things that happen in all of our lives. Like I think when you go with the ego is ego is the enemy, there's one of the things that he says in the book that I always resonate with is like, your ego is always with you and and some kind of some level is always going to be part of you. And he he kind of, um, I think Ryan describes it as, a martial arts teacher teacher telling him that, that he had, like they have to keep sweeping the floor because the dirt keeps coming back regardless how many times we sweep and ego is the same way like if you don't push your ego down as much as you can it always like it's always going to come back like you just leave it's like leaving the dishes 
<laughs> you leave the dishes in there and you don't wash them, they pile up to a part where they just become a monster. And I think that's a good understanding of what the ego is. If you let your ego run wild, it ends up becoming uncontrollable or to the point where you can't really, you can't even heart, you can't even reel it in, right? Because it's so gigantic and so hard to deal with. But if you wash the dishes as they go into the thing, then you keep it down. You keep it manageable. You keep it something you can understand and, and, and work with versus letting it come overcome you and then basically be this thing that just probably will end up destroying your life in some kind of capacity, right? Or, yeah. or being your downfall. And I think that's kind of like um, the martial arts one is the one he did. I don't know if I just made up the dishes one. But anyway, it's, it works regardless, right? Um, and I think that's the idea of like understanding ego. And, this. and then he like in him like him like Robert Greene uh, likes to tell like stories from uh, successful people in sports and um, politics and um, historical figures and then give them a story based on these virtues that he tells them in the book. Ryan, uh, uh, Robert Greene's really good at it. He gives the idea of like, he gives you an, uh, a story and then he tells you how that relates to this particular situation and then he breaks it down for you to understand it. And, and Ryan's not different. He gives you the same kind of scenario to kind of give you the understanding of what um, they all seem to be able to kind of teach via storytelling. And well, I, I think that's the best. Yeah, that's the template that he's learned. And it's, and it's, yeah. and it's good to try to keep, continue on that path that Robert Greene really set him on in a lot of ways. Uh, there's a quote here from Ego is the Enemy. Uh, if ego is the voice that tells us we're better than we really are, we can say ego inhibits true success by preventing a direct and honest connection to the world around us. One of, uh, uh, one of the early members of Alcoholics Anonymous defined ego as a conscious separation from, from what? Everything. Yeah. And that, well, and I think, and I think that's true. I think that, 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 like, I think that that makes a lot of sense when it comes down to the, like the, the, the ego too. It's just, it can just become not only will it kind of consume you, but I feel like it, it creates, um, stagnation. If you think you're king, if you think you're the best, what is the incentive for actually getting better? There isn't one because yeah. you are the one all be all of everything. We can look at that from like hip hop artists, musicians, any of these situations where you tr you like don't think that there's any possible way of you getting better or there's no possible there's no other like feats for you to go actually try to get. It creates stagnation where you just sit there in your little throne and everybody else is thriving and being better and you're sitting there just, no, I am king here. Um, and then uh, I think that also can kind of come into a play with sports figures, for musicians, for uh, artists, any kind of capacity is understanding that the ego will just create, um, uh, I want to say, is that's the right word, right? Stagnation or... Um, yeah complacency well, yeah. like where they just don't think they don't think there's anything more for them to achieve it's all adam, they're the gods now right i think he, i don't yeah i don't think he hits on it but adam grant hits on it in his book think again about how blackberry owned the market yeah yeah and they just and, and they were like we're gonna we're just we're gonna stay pat right um and and they're lucky because apple the, uh, steve jobs didn't want anything to do with cellular technology yeah right That's yeah. What he, he tells the story like steve jobs is was dead set against it but then um, they were able to convince him, like, um, let's go in and let's talk to the, the AT&T, who a Apple initially went with as a, as a carrier for mm -hmm. the product. And, and they, they changed the game and, and, and totally redefined 
um, cellular technology and uh, how people handle like get information. I think, um, I think, you know, it's funny because, yeah, the BlackBerry was a huge thing and everybody had a BlackBerry and we all loved it. And like, honestly, I think Ryan even said and uh, Ryan and Adam Grant have both said that they we, we all miss the keyboard. <laughs> so, and I think because even me, I miss the keyboard, too, because I don't type as fast without well, the it. The thought was, yeah, like a, a digital. And I mean, even the fact that you can like run your thumb. Yeah. And it, yeah. I mean, like the tech technology is just is, is so abound. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The another thing. um just a quote that kind of pops up when I searched ego as the enemy theme, right? Was in, impressing people is utterly different from being truly impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're trying to sell something at this point. You're trying to like, and I think that's the kind of, I think that's the the key. Well, you can see it on, like, especially with you and middle schoolers and, and probably Tao in college, you can see the idea of selling, like selling the ego is uh in selling all these things is more so like the kid with the really fancy car that revs it up in the parking lot the music that blares really loud the the kids girl cut, that wants kids, to look middle school kids are always cussing it's like yeah yeah because they think it, you know and the thing is i probably did that a lot too when i was a kid like the idea of of that selling the ego makes you to be either tougher than you are, cooler than you are, and all these other kind of things where they're still, they're all selling points, right? Um, and then go, to go back to also give you another reference to the, the Blackberry guy, I keep forgetting his name, but you can also say the same with Henry Ford, right? So you look at Ford and the same thing with the Model T. It was like, it was kind of the, the be all one all of all automobiles, but he refused to actually make tiers that were customizable based on the people's, um, uh, on the on the people's uh, uh, means, right? So therefore, yeah. like he he refused to actually make customizations based on if somebody wanted to pay more uh, to have a better version or to have more in their stuff. And then other people started doing it, which eventually just blew past. Where Ford has never been who it used to be. It used to be king of all automobiles, and now it's basically the bottom tier. And it's probably been there for since then. It's never been able to kind of get back to her former glory yeah. of being that. And that's all because of the idea of thinking that you're king forever. And 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 that and I think that just kind of breeds complacency. And also, like you let your that that your mind think that no, there's nothing better than this, and it'll always be this way. Um, and I think that, 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 that is what is like, I think the most damaging thing for the ego. Right. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I started, I've been just, I've been going down this rabbit hole of just going through books that I've been reading that I read the biography of, um, uh, Benjamin Franklin recently. And then I went, I'm, I'm going through like, a, another book based on just his biography, but now they're breaking it all down, all his stuff down. It's interesting because he seems to have a lot of this morality and stuff that the same thing that uh, Ryan has or Stoicism has and all these other things. He seems to kind of live that life um, to the T and is why he was so successful and, and so willing to pivot. Like uh, as, as far as when I'm reading uh, his stuff, it seems like he was so um, not stuck on one thing. He was always jumping and moving and moving around and, and, and growing and, and, and changing that made it a, a, a lot easier for him to just go with the flow of everything versus just becoming stagnant. Like he would go into like when he got bored with politics, he would jump and start doing experiments. When he was do, done doing experience, he'd go into like just like diving into like printing. And he was always just jumping around, constantly keeping busy. And it constantly kept him uh, motivated. And I think um, Bill Watterson said the same thing he did Calvin and Hobbes is that when he was 
getting burnt out on drawing Calvin and Hobbes, he would go into designing things and working on like writing and stuff like that. So your creativity is always just being shifted and changed, um, which constantly keeps you going and also keeps you learning. And I think that is probably one of the, um, the, the, the kind of the big understandings of who you are and how to continue working even when you don't feel like it, you know? I'm going to throw another layer on here. I went to see the Van Gogh exhibit. is kind of like something that's popping up. And they had it at the Portland Convention Center. And, uh, right, like Van Gogh's regarded as one of the, like, a, like one of the greatest artists. I don't know. Like, I, I love, when I first started looking at art, like, his was something that captured my eye. Um, and it, it was, I, I even bought, like, kind of a little replica Starry Night canvas. Um, and so, I, in, in this, it's interesting, because we're talking about ego. Is anime, he... He, Vincent, like Van Gogh would write Vincent on his work initially because he didn't want to put shame on his family's name. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is somebody who is, uh, again, re renowned and was just kind of thinking outside the box. He, he, one of his quotes, like in his a letter to his brother, uh, was like, what, I'm, what am I in the eyes of most people? Uh, a non-entity or an oddity or a disagreeable person someone who has and will have no position in society in short a little lower than the lowest very well assuming that everything is indeed like that then through my work i'd like to show what there is in the heart of such an oddity such a nobody like the the humility like the humility in that in letter to his brother he's not saying like i'm going to show all these people that i'm the greatest artist of all time i mean that, like that's to, to is so yeah well and then the thing is like i've read a part of his biography like you know um not all of it like, it's a really really long one and i haven't really finished it but um but I, like you know getting through a, a little bit of it like van, van gogh just he had a lot of mental problems and stuff like that but yeah he never saw himself as anything worth anything right and the thing is that, and it, there therefore but then you know like doing that puts you in no competition with anybody and I think that's where the magic of his creativity creativity came from was the idea of that there's no one to compete against. There's nothing to actually work against. There is no fucking rules when it comes to art. Because, like, therefore, if he wasn't amounting to anything, it didn't really matter how he drew. Because every how he drew for his time was not something that was like it wasn't the norm, right? You're not going with what is normal. You're going with he was just going with what he felt was how he wanted to express himself and i think the understanding of him putting himself down to that level also freed him from the from the expectations of what the public wanted which which gave him the freedom to express himself in his own way which which was basically the magic of his artwork that wasn't seen or rep, uh, or or even wanted in his time but you can see that i think that is the freedom of um being yourself is being able and i think that's like something that i kind of like as an artist myself is something that i've always preached is never about being like anybody else it is about finding who you are and then and then initially just giving them fucking hell right spence like give them give them everything you got because this is you and then nobody can take that away from you and i think that's um something that i would tell any artist and is is, is like that's the one thing they can't take away from you is who you are and if you and then if, if you're just copying somebody else then then you're nobody but just a copy of that person right 
So you have to, and I think that's the beauty of where Van Gogh came from, regardless of his mental illness and all that, all the issue and the depression he went through. I think there's something freeing in that, um, that tearing down of himself gave him freedom to express himself without any kind of care for what anybody else wanted to see in art, right? Because yeah. the art at that time was a pop, there's a pop culture in art at that time, pop culture in that art in that time was a specific way of painting and expressing yourself. And it meant just drawing just like everyone else. And if you didn't draw just like everyone else, you were wrong. You were incorrect. Therefore, I think that was the freedom in, in his, uh, in his head. I, yeah. Think, right? yeah. I don't know if I'm correct. Or no, not. no, you're good. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, and, and, and ultimately it's just like, as we look at these virtues and it's like people are, that are highly successful, they are able to find, space and find like you said like their voice in in what they do in an authentic and clear and and real way um i mean er, earlier there was another quote that i kind of i took a picture of which just said he was writing i mean they kind of pulled out these letters to their brother and then it's kind of a loop of his work right um find things beautiful as much as you can most people find too little beautiful right just the simplicity of that and just appreciating i think um appreciating the nuance of life and just um you like you talked about like most people don't want hard things um i i don't i don't know like being in a relationship that is kind of like the brady bunch like yeah that works on tv um but like you're you're molding together uh five kids and then and then in my family and then and then a, a newborn um with and then you have outside families outside of that and then uh and and all kinds of inner work is is social social connectional inner workings um and also the past like in the past right and then you're looking you're you're also competing with past ghosts of past relationships past lives and everything else and then expectations of how this is supposed to work now which is it's it's almost impossible because you're making it up as you go well exactly and that's i mean that's why most people have a hard time uh, I mean, this, these, these books really allow me to, um, hell, even at the, even at the, um, end of, I was, I was, I've been watching these, um, we got a seven month old and he's been into these musicals. So I just been throwing on, I've never watched frozen frozen two at the end of it. She on is like, um, on it. We're, we're pulling all these yeah, uh, yeah. great references. Shout out to Tao again. Um, <laughs> Uh, Anna says, like, I'm sorry I had to leave you behind yeah. to Kristoff. And Kristoff goes, my love's not fragile. Yeah. Like, the yeah. like I, I don't I, the nuance in that, like, I don't think most people would realize, but your love can't be fragile when you're doing all these things, and you have to be courageous, and you can't have an ego. Because, like, if you're like, well, I'm, I'm the person that you should be caring about most in every moment of every day well that's like that's hard that's that's ego. I, you know that's i find i find christoph to probably be the strongest character in the entire series um he's he's almost like and then and, and it's funny because he's not focal point but he is a pillar of uh, all the situation i don't know if that actually um it, it says something about being a male right but any but the thing is like but there's this one part where he does have an emotional breakdown in frozen 2 where he kind of like forgets like that she just left him and then they all left him and he had this whole like R&B moment where he does this whole song. And then he was like completely broken by this whole situation being left. But when he's reunited again, like she he just like swoops her up and picks her up. And, and then he, she's like and he's like, what do you need? 
like and that was and that was really all he said he's like what yeah. he's and then like and then, he, and then she just told him what he needs and then he just did it he didn't complain he didn't tell her about all the stuff that was going on with him he just did he was just there like and then he didn't he didn't like like let any of that other stuff and i found his character to be really really um really well done but well, uh, there, like, there's courage in that right yeah i mean like there's courage in and there's and, and taking your ego seat. down you're taking your ego down you're having courage to basically be able to put all that stuff aside and you're you're able to kind of and you're also having the ability to, to steal yourself from anger from frustration from all those things to bring yourself down and the obstacles away is him looking for her and going after her not knowing where she was and and trying to find like he was like doing all the things that were consider all the four virtues of being uh, uh like and being what she needed and and what what he initially wanted like the path he wanted was is was was that and he went for it and and so all those things he did do like he, he's never like i think there's only time one time he's been frustrated and angry was in the first one when they were just getting to know each other other than that, it was just well, pretty and, much and there. he even was like, and he even was like, you can go, I'll get you back to 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 give him your kiss, the kiss, yeah, right, yeah, and yeah. and then and and so, um, well, he was also raised by those sage rocks in the in the forest, so it makes yeah. sense that he understands all that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I I get it. So I, you know, it's it's fun because like where you you take these ideas, and I'm guessing a lot of the creators from all these shows have taking all through these books into account um and also and I, even i do i take them into account when i create characters or even have voices for my characters i do take all these situations into account which is gives them a realness and an idea of like uh, joseph campbell's a hero's journey right you basically give them things and how to deal with it um and i think these books are essential in everyone's life because essentially when we go back to it everybody's um we're the star in our own show you know, and everybody else is like, uh, and every so these we are all we are the Heracles. We are all that we are all the main characters, and then we also everybody else is either supporting actor or a villain, right? And then so they actually compel us to actually be better or to be worse or to do all these other things. And the idea of these books help us navigate these situations um, to be a better person, I think, and be able to handle them. Because I think even like Ryan said with Marcus Aurelius. Uh, as far as I understood, like he was uh, he was going to be betrayed at the very end of his life um, by one of his generals. And, and then uh, that was in stillness. The key was one of the ideas where he was able to just accept the fact that that was going to happen and then just let it happen. And it ended up he was just like, no, we'll just let them come back, let them like do what they're going to do. And then he just goes with the flow of things and the, the understanding and and understood he like he's almost like he knew it was uh, inevitable and he was and it was coming forward and coming full circle and he was just accepting it and then he didn't prepare he didn't do anything he didn't try to fight back he just tried to accept the the fate of what was going to happen and initially the general on the way back was betrayed by his own men and, and never came to fruition right so you're looking at um and that was that took a lot of courage or like in some levels you could see it as maybe just kind of like letting it go you're an old man and just kind of going forward but there's also there's also some there's also got to be some kind of like uh acceptance and courage to be able to accept that as your fate right um and i think um there's a lot of different uh, stories and stuff that Ryan tells. I'm going to come down to Marcus Aurelius, which is he's a he's a huge fan. <laughs> if you say I've been heard in an interview where somebody was talking about Marcus, all the stuff that he like did, all the terrible things that he's done. 
Uh, I think I forgot the interview, but it was like a guy telling him, he's like, I know it's your guy, but there was like all this stuff that he did against like um, Christians and stuff like that. And all the, all the prejudice he had against the Christians and all, and, and the, like, uh, and all these things. And he's, and then this guy was particularly a fan of, um, he was a fan of um, Jesuits, right? He's a fan of Jesuits was his thing. I forgot what the main Jesuit was, but he was basically more of a fan of Jesuits. And then, and, and then Ryan being more of a fan of Marcus Aurelius. And they had this whole kind of thing. And, and then like, but there's, there's bad on every side of every angle. There's never going to be like, there's never going to be a perfect situation. The Jesuits did terrible things, but yet they documented so many different cultures via book and writing. That was the good that came out of it. But then they funded a lot of their stuff based on slavery. <laughs> Human trafficking is how they basically ran and funded a lot of their expeditions. And then, but on that, so there's good and bad and everything. And there's also Marcus Aurelius had like there's bad things that happened and bad things that done. But you cannot just sit there and focus on all the terrible things. You got to kind of take them as a whole, all the bad things and all the good things, and see and then see what how how it all kind of came out instead of just focusing on one. You know. Yeah. So at the end of Courage's Calling, we can wrap the wrap up part yeah. of the show. Yeah. Um, it there's there's just. He says, courage calls us in our fear. It calls us to each act of bravery and perseverance our duties require. And it calls us beyond ourselves to do a greater common good. It's our decision to answer the call or how to answer the call. Not just once, but a thousand times in our life. Not just in the past and in the future, but right now, today. What will it be? Can you be brave? Who and what will you be brave for? The world wants to know, right? And ultimately, we, I mean, Nu and I just really want to encourage those of you listening to, to pursue, and, and this is what we've always been about, is, is pursuing uh, an, an ounce, uh, a gram, the tiniest amount of thoughtfulness to improve the way that you're living your life uh, and, and or not, right? Or just to be reflective on it and to th- think, about how you engage with and connect with people and, and build relationship. I think that th- this is what these books are about ultimately. And it's calling us to, is to see what f- fear for what it is and to, to kind of be still in the moment and to rise and, and, and overcome whatever obstacles there, there are. Right. Um, and, and it, things are hard, right? Life is hard. We, the, the way that this pandemic has affected us has been, it's, it's been altering, but it's really critical for us to pause and pursue and, and to really understand that in any one moment, there's quantum possibilities for where you can head from that moment. I, I, I mean, not to say that, not to diminish Ryan Holiday in any way, but if, for, for a 34 year old to be, uh, to title himself the, this, this great, uh, modern philosopher that that takes somebody who's going to say you know what this is that's who i am and 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 to own it and to work on it and to live in that space is 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 critical um for me right like i for me i want to be somebody who's uh, a truth teller in people's lives somebody who's encouraging them and, and building them up that's why i want to be uh, in education that's why i want to be a, a, a school administrator i want to be an administrator at a middle school or high school level because these this is when kids are most formidable this is when they're going through puberty and this is when they need people that are going to like be real with them and tell them the things that are going on in this world 
and tell them how that, that you got their back and that they, and that you're going to support them through it all. Um, I, that, that's the critical, those are the critical pieces, right? Yeah. And then, well, and then I, I think like overall, like last thing we want to say is that I think these books give, give anyone an idea as all these books kind of, um, after you get all these things, you wrap it all into one, it comes down to the idea of balance and how do you balance every one of these things out to when you need them the most and be able to kind of like be able to balance your life in a way that makes it functional to kind of go with the flow of things, not fight it. Um, you know, one thing that I've realized recently is that like, like having a bad day when I, I realized having a bad day was interesting because like if you have a bad day, it's like, usually it's, you have a plan for the day. You already, you planned out your day in a fundamental way, in a, in a very efficient way. And then when these plans don't actually meet your expectations is, is basically the bad day. And then, so therefore, if you actually take it back to initially how this all came to be, it usually starts with one little thing like the alarm not going off on time or the coffee lady taking the line at the coffee shop taking too long or every stoplight you're hitting is basically doing all these one things start building up from the alarm not being set properly everything starts building up so therefore you get the alarm doesn't go off then you go get coffee the coffee line's too long then you go hit every fucking light then people are cutting you off everything starts building up and initially, when you look back at it, you didn't set the alarm properly. And then for the whole situation, it was kind of your fault. And I find that to be like kind of a fascinating understanding of letting some, letting one, letting one's like thing, just one little mess up grow into a phenomenal issue without being able to check yourself and realizing that the bad day either started with you or starting with some randomness that you can't control. Um, and I think that these kind of books give you balance and understanding these things. And the last thing I want to say is that you're, you like, you've seen Princess Bride, right? Yeah. Vince? Yeah. When, when, grandpa, when grandpa said, he's all, like, where was it written? Where was it written that life was supposed to be easy? You should show me where it was written that it was supposed to be easy. And it, and it never was written to be easy. It's, it's, it's written to be something that you work for and you you take and then even like uh and at the end of it you have something to show for it and i think that's the most important thing is that you come to the end of this and you're like no see i did all this this is what i did during this time this short time i had here this is what i came with this is what i've endured this is what i have and i have here this is at the end of it and this is what i have to show you i think that's like the really important thing to kind of just have at the end of it is what, what, what all the experiences and everything you live for you know vice or virtue right come like just just like just like where we started really right yeah uh vice or virtue it's a it's pursuing it uh new what what would you have for an offering for uh you know as i say like the thing is like i'm a big fan of ryan so i would say like any of his uh, initial books are good but if you want a starting point i would say start with um the one that i kind of started with which was uh obstacles the way and especially i think like now that 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 sentiment is really important to look at this pandemic is here it's already there it's already in the way of everybody it's already in the way of everything like so instead of sitting here complaining about how this is not fair, why don't you see it as opportunity to see what you can be after this is over? And then I think that's the idea of having an obstacle is how do you figure this out? And especially for me, Spence, like 
like you know i don't have like a, a traditional job like all the like most people uh the thing is like i there's a there's a sense of freedom in what i do because i work for myself but there's also a sense of instability so the idea is when this pandemic hit i came to the position where like i was like it's either i gotta make this work or i have to get a real job so the point being is that that's the, that was the obstacle and I tried to find a way around it. And I think that anybody can kind of look at any situation that's difficult instead of making excuses why it's difficult, try to figure out a way around it. I think starting with obstacle the, uh, is the way is a good way of kind of getting that going and putting that in your mindset. I would say for me, I, I mean, like as you're talking about that, stillness is the key. I was actually reading that right before the pandemic right like right as the pandemic was, yeah. was getting underway i was in uh san diego and balboa park just it was a beautiful day <laughs> and i was just chilling and just reading the, that book and um i think that's not what i want to recommend uh, but i just yeah they have space uh and if not in the moment, in kind of a, in a future moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And but what I wanted to recommend was um, I've been crafting a salsa for 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 a little while now, a couple of years. And uh, initially, I started out with kind of jalapenos in it and other things. But I've I've kind of uh, I got a recipe for you all. So get a piece of paper and a pen or or hit the pause button. Um, it's going to be like seven or eight tomatillos. Uh, <laughs> Four, I mean, it depends on your, your spice level. I, I go with four habaneros. That's pretty spicy. Um, maybe go, maybe start out and, and grow up uh, to like two, three, then four, whatever. But four habaneros. Uh, I go usually, you can go lime to taste, but I usually go like three to four limes, uh, a, a bunch of cilantro, uh, and then a sweet onion, like a whole sweet onion. Uh, and some a little bit of salt, uh, some garlic too. Don't want to forget the garlic. I did actually on my last batch forget the garlic. I, I had to reset it. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's it's pretty tasty. It, I I eat it with uh, eggs, sandwiches, like all kinds of stuff, chips. But yeah, um, let me know what you think. Tr try it out, make it. Let let us know what you think. Yeah, I uh, dig it. Yeah, so drop some my my anytime i eat it my wife knows because she's like you smell like onion and so uh she does yeah. like onions shout out to betsy no i don't know i just she just who likes the smell of onion though like yeah, yeah it's like a garlic it's like garlic like you know like i like garlic but i'm guessing smelling like garlic is probably not the best thing you know so I try yeah to, yeah I try to clean it up but it's Ooh. all good yeah, man. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you for the time, Spence. Yep, yep. I think it was I think it was good. I think I, I dug it. So I think it, I think it was cool. Solid. Hope you all enjoyed the journey and uh, and and we'll see you next time. Special thanks to hosts That Tao, Nooligan, DJ Crump. Music by Ghost HD. Produced by DJ Crump. Production by Ghost Wish.